Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morrison and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational, community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We have broken ground on the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, and of course, I have to say, even ahead of Austin. <laughs> I might take that off someday. You know, Austin is losing ground. Hi there, Kelly. Hi. I know. I'm starting to feel a little sorry for Austin because I really think that co-housing would be great across Texas. So how anywhere, about anywhere. first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, and coming soon oh, to Austin, yes. San Antonio, Dallas, all our other fine cities in our great state of Texas. I love that. I love that. Would you be so kind as to write that for us next there week? There you go. Per- perhaps. <laughs> perhaps I will. So hi, everyone. Today, uh, we wanted to talk about one of the other foundational ideas of co-housing. We've done some traveling the last couple of weeks around to the East End to talk about our our neighborhood and why we chose that area and why we're so excited to be moving there. And then we've had some other conversations about, you know, different populations of people who've come into our group or different groups who've been interested in in what we've been doing. Anyway, we're coming home to what is actually co-housing today. Mm -hmm. One of the foundational things about co-housing is that most communities use consensus decision-making as a way to come to decisions together. So we thought we'd talk a little bit about what that is um, and what it maybe isn't. And then it coincides really nicely with the fact that Lynn is, um, is taking a class right now. Yes. Yes, yes. I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this class. I have no time. I really don't have time to take this class, but I just could not let the opportunity pass us by. So Laird Schaub, who is well known in the co-housing world for his brilliant work as a facilitator and training of consensus, um, it offered a class on Zoom and it started this morning. And so I signed up for it with thinking, okay, you know, there'll be a few tidbits here and there and everywhere, but I was spellbound. I did not leave my desk for over two hours, um, much to the dismay of certain of my body parts, but mm-hmm. I, um, I just cu- couldn't afford to leave the room for 30 seconds. So it was just fantastic. And it really got me thinking about, so the topic is officially posted as consensus 201. And even though I was, didn't know if I really qualified for a 201 class, was I really mm-hmm. still at the 101 stage? I thought, okay, I've been through some attempted decisions here the past yeah. two years. So surely I'm at the 201 stage. But the, you are? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, okay, yeah that, well, that was that up for one second, though, Lynn, because there may be some people who are at the 101. Gotcha. Um, area of consensus, because I think that, you know, consensus is a word that gets thrown around a lot in uh, the broader kind of world. And it usually just means um, majority of people agree or or important people agree. The consensus is, is one of those Mm. phrases that gets used a lot. So yeah, I know you guys in your class aren't kind of dispelling myths about what consensus is or isn't, but it would be good. Did you guys come up with a working definition or shall we just offer one? We did not. We didn't. I I mean, you go ahead and give what you would tell somebody who's coming to this new, because we, we kind of, that was the one-on-one we just jumped over. You guys were the experts or the near experts. (laughs) Well, so what I usually tell people is that um, consensus is kind of a different path than majority rules. So majority rules, everybody knows you take a vote. If more than half the people want one thing to happen, that's Mm -hmm. the thing that happens. Whereas in a consensus environment, 
you're crafting a statement uh, with all of the participants. So all the people who are there are helping to craft this statement. And then it's a statement that everyone can agree with. Mm -hmm. It may not be the, the first idea that one person had. It may not be the, the pet thing that somebody wanted to have happen, but it's something that everyone can live with. It's something that everybody can kind of look at and see their fingerprints on. It's a way for a group to move together without having uh, winners or losers per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, that ties in very nicely with um, some of the observations I've made about my own kind of conversion, if you will, process that is still ongoing, because my background, as you know, is in a very hierarchical command control corporate environment. And um, as luck would have it, the last 10 years of my career, I worked in the area of change management. I mean, it was in a very technical field, but basically it was about, you know, a group, small group of people making decisions that they try and ram down the throat of thousands of others, you know, and how do you get them to do that? And um, I, 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 it, I took interviewing somebody at Tacoma Village who said to me, well, um, I don't know why people say that it takes so long to do consensus decision making, because my experience, having grown up, he grew up in a Quaker environment where consensus was part of what he knew growing up and went to a uh, Quaker college. And now he's working in the corporate world in a large city in the US. And he said, I don't know why people think consensus takes so long, because my experience in the corporate world is that when you don't get full buy-in and everybody's fingerprints on it, like you talked about, it takes just as long, if not longer, because you make the decision, you implement it with either small executive or you know ma majority, barely majority rule. And then you spend the rest of the time trying to get all those others who didn't agree, who didn't get a vote to, to actually buy into what you're doing. Mm -hmm. In fact, the last 10 years of my career were all focused on getting that that small portion of people to buy into something that the managers want to run down their throat. So thank I, you I, for giving Lynn a very rewarding. Yeah, thank you for the, for the great <laughs> retirement that all of that afforded me. But I think that now I really see a different way and it's really gets me churning some days, you know, so. You know, Lynn, there's a second element for me to this. Um, the first, to, I agree that the time uh, function of where are you going to invest your time? Is it before the decision is made or is it after? Is mm -hmm. really key. Then there's a second um, element of it about durability. Yes. Because I think that, you know, when, when a decision comes down from, from on high, I'm using air quotes here, um, then the people who don't particularly love it or didn't see themselves in, the, in that decision, they just wait <laughs> until the on high either looks away or changes and then everything just goes back. The decision itself isn't really durable. Whereas in a consensus environment where everybody has had input and everybody can see that this decision is what's going to move the community forward or this, this group of people forward, uh, they can see their fingerprints on it. They can see how they're going to be a part of, of implementing it. It's really hard to get people to stop doing it then. So once mm -hmm. that decision is made, it's, it's very, very durable. People are really willing to um, support that for a really long time after, after that decision is made. Right, because they, they've been seeing themselves as part of the implementation as they were going through the decision-making process. So, you know, yeah. the, minute, the minute the decision's made, all the hard stuff's done. You're into implementation. It starts day one instead of having to like then start recruiting people to like get others to buy in. Speaking of which leads me to another point I was reflecting on this morning. And that is that, you know, 
we're all at different stages in our community of kind of either being willing to embrace this, able to embrace it, having time to think about it. And one of the things that was discussed in our meeting this morning and is, you know, what do you do in a community where, you know, maybe people have come at this in a different way. In fact, one of the things that Laird, Laird said, this is not me talking about us. Okay. So just people know I did not drop our community in this one. He said, you know, moving into community means doing personal work. And most people don't join a community with that understanding. So like, I didn't join this community to do a bunch of work on myself uh, around consensus decision-making. And so then we're kind of wondering, well, if they didn't, and this is one of the foundational elements of our community, how do you move forward? And the good news that he had there was, don't worry about it. He said, all you need to do to get this going is to get the people who do understand this, and it could be as small as half of your group, get them to work on it and lead out and in a way that the others will start to see this in action. And, and he said, I want to tell you that you really can move the ball forward without everyone agreeing to be active in that process. Don't require it of everyone. If you do it right, they are going to come along with you. I just found that very encouraging. It's the most consensus of statements too. Like you can't force them. You can't like majority rules decide that you're going to do consensus. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have to just implement and be open and listen and involve and engage people. And then, and then it will work. It's that's very countercultural. It's interesting. Yeah. He, he said, you know, when that small group gets together, what they need to ask themselves is what can we do to be more cooperative? Mm. And I thought that's a great, you know, question to ask the yeah. smaller group that is, has time and is thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, and that's such a, like, on some days I would be like, oh, yes, what can I do to be more cooperative? And then some days I would be like, I don't want to be done. Yeah, forget it. Y'all yes. just, just need to do it my way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's so one of the things that um, I feel like I get asked a lot because I've lived and worked in a consensus environment. Um, people will say mm. like, oh, well, it just sounds like it's going to go on forever. Like nobody's ever going to make a decision. It's going to go on forever. Or... I've been a part of consensus before and, you know, people just talked and nothing ever went anywhere. Things just mm -hmm. kind of fell away to the wayside. And um, so I thought that that would be an interesting thing for communities to work on, you know, that like, what exactly do you do when you are trying to implement consensus and you want to also honor the progress of a community or the progress of mm. people's individual interests even you know like i think this thing is important and i need this to move forward in a in a way that is going to um you know have a place in the community and then it's either going to get decided or it's not or you know whatever but it's it's important to me so that the mm -hmm. self kind of doesn't get lost in that community environment so i feel like one of the things that we do in our community is we have a strong coordinating team and that team really tracks uh, mm -hmm. bird dogs topics, you know, like make mm -hmm. sure that they are here and they're moving forward mm -hmm. and they can be vetted by the community and either adopted or, or rejected or whatever needs to happen with it. We can either come to consensus or the individual can decide that, oh, it is not right for the community. Right. That's I mean, I think, I think the thing that the coordinating team does is it's continuing to test 
uh, whether things are languishing because of lack of interest or the time has really expired or, or whether um, it needs help. So it, you know, maybe the person who had agreed to lead it really has found themselves in a bind in work or something. And they just even haven't come up for air to say, I can't take us to the next step, you know? Yeah. So I think it's been a real useful role, but I don't know about you, but I would observe that sometimes people mistakenly treat us as if we're some sort of executive steering committee. Yes. Even yeah, though we I don't see ourselves that. like that, you know? Right. But yeah, but because a lot of people are coming in and again, it's kind of like this question of how can I be more cooperative? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's that team's role is to figure out how to be more cooperative because that's the group that's actively thinking and working on this. Um, and I was wondering too, if, if in your class, if they talked about sociocracy as a model for established communities or other, because I know that that's also a way that some communities um, manage to come to consensus and make sure that they're still moving through their topics. Well, not yet, Kelly. I'm on I'm on week one of a five week program, so stay <laughs> tuned. Yeah, what they did talk about a lot, and a lot of his um, his 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 topics were presented in terms of a contrast between a competitive and a cooperative culture, mm -hmm. and I just found that fascinating. Um, you know, for example. I was kind of moving into like, you know, what is your mindset when you show up in a group? Um, and, you know, do you show up believing that, you know, a fair fight, like a rigorous debate is really a very positive way of framing a fair fight, um, mm -hmm. that that would produce the best outcome, like the fittest survive. Whereas he was, uh, he was highlighting that in a cooperative mode, you want to, you know, you want the least barriers to relevant input surfacing. So you have easy on ramps and trusting that there's sufficient wisdom in the group to suss out the best way forward, which is a completely different way of, of interacting, you know, mm -hmm. with, with each other. And the, and the other piece to this um, concept that he was talking about is Competitive mindset is when you show up because you know you have the best idea and you know that your idea is so great that it's the best for the group. And if you don't push it through, then somehow you fail because the group is going to fail because you didn't ram it in there. Whereas, a, and I can, by the way, just, you know, self-disclosure, totally relate to that. That has happened to me. I'm trying to move away from that. But um, cooperative mindset would be showing up with a great idea and saying, I hope somebody can improve on my thinking for the good of the group. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is such a shift. Yeah. Your idea, your idea might still end up being the, the, the best, tallest, greatest standing idea at the end of the day, but you're coming at it with a completely different mindset. Yes. Yeah. I think too, that that speaks to the, the uh, listening versus kind of mm -hmm. role that you have when you are, are coming into a group and coming into a consensus environment, because the work is really the relationship building, you know, vehicle in causing, like you're doing this work together, spending time together, you're building closeness. And so I feel like if you're always kind of bringing a new shiny object, you're not really ever building something new with your, with your neighbors. You're really mm -hmm. just, kind of, you know, demonstrating something you already have which is really different. You know, I think about like the, the, you know, I found the best zucchini at the grocery store is definitely not as satisfying as, wow, aren't, we all grew this giant zucchini in the community garden. You know, it's, it's a really big difference between yeah. those two feelings of closeness. Yeah. 
Hmm. Well, and that and that's where he was highlighting also, like, what do people want to get out of a meeting is very hmm. different in the two different cultures. So in a competitive culture, you're sewing up for the bottom line, what the what dominates the whole thing, you know, well, dominates like the, the success of the meeting is did we yeah. walk out with with yeah. the thing, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of my agendas started what's the outcome? Yeah. You know, now yeah. you can try and persuade me to write relationship related outcomes in there. But you know, <laughs> I, I don't have an exact measuring stick for that. So loyal but, followers, please, please send Lynn. Topic yeah. so measure, they, measure the relationship. Yeah. When Lynn starts talking about outcomes, you can just start clapping really loud so that nobody can hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, in, in a, in a co- cooperative culture, it's exactly what you're saying. The how or the relationship matters as much as the what. And I think the key takeaway for me there is that you know, it doesn't mean that the what goes away. It's how you package it. Yeah. Yep. Well, and the, the what may not be, um, it, it may not, the, if you get a what and you've destroyed all relationships getting yeah. to that what, then it actually isn't the best. <laughs> it may have seemed like the best, but it really wasn't. But if you can get to the what that has preserved relationships or deepened relationships, it may not be the most efficient. It may not be the most whatever, but it is actually the best outcome for the group because you've done so much more. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so we have uh, an idea that I think of our some of our next steps. Like Lynn, you are so I'm the process team lead for for our community. So I have some next steps that I'm implementing <laughs> even as we're like talking about it. But Lynn, you're still in your um, in your class for four more weeks. So yes, I am, and I'm real. Actually, I have a little a little kind of a challenge about my classes. I'm actually going to have to have my husband sit in for me and bring me the recordings back and get him to train me up. So that's going to be interesting. So we're getting a two for one. Oh, don't, don't tell Laird this, but you know, <laughs> um, he won't mind. He's a great guy. But I think it's, I think it's both of us, you know, we look at that runway in the coordinating yeah. team every week. And I know that sometimes we, we all look at that and we just kind of, you know, our head sinks, our hands go up over our eyes and go, oh my gosh, this is a whole, like, we're just ramming all these business topics down people's throats. But I do feel like I'm hearing in my training, just in my first session today, already ways of keep that business list, but it's the way you unpack it with the group. So you don't have to throw that away. And in fact, he was really big on integrating, like it's about integrating. You can't do one without the other, because if you start doing, he said, if you start separating your business focus meetings from your, all your fun or relationship focused events, he said, what will happen is the businessy people show up to one, the relationship people show up to the other, and then you end up with all this separation. It's not going to build community at all. And so I thought that was really good. He said, the only exception to that might be if somebody, this was terrible. If somebody dies in your community, it'd be okay to just have a relationship only meeting where you reflect on stories about that person. And we're like, Okay, thank you. Thanks, we, will re- we will remember <laughs> to not review the budget on the night that we talk about somebody's left. Yeah. No. <laughs> so anyway, that was kind of my my takeaway. And I find myself dancing across that fence between competitive, cooperative. It's hard to unlearn old tricks, but I think it's that awareness, you know, moving from unconscious incompetence to consciously sometimes competent um, is where I'm so I'm still a work in progress and I'm thankful thankful for this community that is a real growing experience I definitely signed up for the growth part excellent well with that 
Everyone stay tuned. We'll keep you posted on how consensus is being integrated in our community and what we're learning about it. And, uh, and thanks so much for stopping by. We're really glad that you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Co-Housing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about co-housing and to, uh, to get hooked up with really great uh, people like Laird, uh, we like cohousing.org. We're also really active on social media, so check out what's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. Thanks, hey, Lynn. Bye. bye. Next time. <laughs>